0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So, God willing, today, we're going to conclude uh, the, the main part of the book, which is discussing, uh, you know, the characteristics of death, and, and, and Hades, and paradise. Um, we're going to conclude the part about paradise today, and then next week will be the, the final topic uh, of this series, where we're going to talk about kind of what to do um, based on all this information um, that we have learned. Okay, um, another characteristic of paradise that we read about has to do with the idea of crowns. Um, in the book of Revelation, um, God says, "Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown." So the idea is that the crown is kind of like a, a way of understanding a reward. That when the Lord is speaking about that we receive crowns, He's saying that we are receiving some kind of a reward. We're, we're some kind of um, reward for our good for our good works um, so God encouraged those who would suffer to the point of martyrdom for his name's sake by telling them that he is ready to reward them with a special crown and in Revelations chapter 2 it says do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. So we see this mention of crowns in many, many different places in scripture. St. Peter, he encouraged the fellow bishops he was serving with to serve as an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. So again, there is mention of crowns. Um, St. James also in chapter one uh, of his epistle says, blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So again, there is mention of crowns. St. Paul also, he speaks about um, competing uh, for the prize of eternal life to obtain an imperishable crown. Again, there's the idea of crowns. in 1 Corinthians 9:27 it says I discipline my body and bring it to subjection lest when I have preached to others I myself should become disqualified. So so he's saying that Even St. Paul, as he is preaching to other people, he is always disciplining himself. And he mentions this idea of there being a race to receive the crown, disciplining himself like a, a spiritual struggle that is constantly happening so that he would be rewarded. Right. And not be disqualified of receiving the crown that God has ready for him. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, it says, Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. This mention of crowns is repeating, 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 not only in the scripture, but also in the writings um, of the early church and the church fathers. St. John Chrysostom, he said, The present life is an arena, in the arena, And in athletic contests, the man who expects to be crowned cannot enjoy relaxation. So if anyone wishes to win crown, let him choose the hard and laborious life in order that after he has striven a short time, he may enjoy lasting honor hereafter. So the crown here is those who struggle, kind of like, you know, like when you win a medal, like after you compete in the Olympics, right? He who is is competing in this world, And when they reach to the end, their reward is this crown that God gives to them. Also, St. John Chrysostom, he said, If you see a righteous person suffering tribulation, do not lose heart. His misfortunes are preparing more brilliant crowns for him. If it happens to the righteous, it makes their souls more splendid. A great benefit comes to each of them from tribulation, provided that they bear it with thanksgiving, for this is what is required. And this says something to us about the nature of suffering. Um, A lot of times, you know, we look at our own sufferings or we look at the sufferings of other people and we feel like they are unjust, especially when the the suffering comes to righteous people. We feel like those sufferings are um, cruel. Why is it that God is allowing such suffering? Why is it that God would allow good people, people who have done nothing wrong, to experience that kind of suffering? And when you look at maybe the life of a person where they are mistreated, um, they are re- they are rejected, they are abandoned, they experience all kind of pain that even through by the end of their life we don't see any kind of compensation for them. We don't see anything you know has changed for them. their whole life could be categorized by suffering and being alone and so on. and it's easy for us to look at these people and to conclude that their life is just nothing but pain and suffering. but here we see what 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 is saint john chrysostom saying he says if you see a righteous person suffering tribulation do not lose heart his misfortunes are preparing more brilliant crowns for him because as we will see that something that we receive crowns for is enduring suffering with with faith and patience okay so when you look at just the the when you look at just the earth right we can say that there is there is not justice necessarily on the earth there are many people who Um, do not deserve the kind of wickedness that comes upon them uh, if you look just at the earth but if you look at the earth plus heaven okay now we see that God compensates and rewards those people who suffer though being righteous on the earth and gives them reward right and this reward here are these crowns so so God is just and God does show justice but that justice might not be visible to us here while we are still on the earth but for those who believe in the afterlife those who believe in life after death an eternity after this life then there is justice that God does compensate but only those who believe in that life have hope that that justice is going to come for them this is one of the motivations why we as Christians should not seek revenge ourselves should not seek vengeance upon our enemies ourselves when the lord tells us to love our enemies what is he saying is he saying that our enemies are never going to get uh you know they're just due is he saying that our enemies are going to not be um kind of held accountable for what it is that they have done no in romans chapter 12 saint paul is c- quoting and he says that he says vengeance is mine i will repay says the lord in the end the vengeance is god's but we look at people who are in the world and we see, where is, there's, where is God's vengeance on them? Maybe people who are the most cruel and the most evil, have the most power, and seem to have no one stopping them, and nothing happens to them. And they continue in their cruelty, they continue in their evil. So you have to include the, in the calculation, earth plus heaven. Like earth plus after this life. If you include them both, then God's vengeance, we can see it at work. We can see it applied right? But if you look at just this life alone, then maybe we do not see the compensation for the wicked, and also we don't see the reward of the righteous. But if you consider the afterlife as well, we see both. We have many examples of people in the church who gained crowns because of their martyrdom, their self-sacrifice for the sake of their faith. Saint Marina of Antioch, it says, when she was about to be beheaded, the executioner told her, my lady Marina, I see the angel of the Lord and with him a crown of bright light. There are many stories about people in the church who were martyrs that they, like people would see these visions of, the, that, of angels that are coming to place crowns on the heads of those people who have made the ultimate sacrifice for Christ. St. Moses the, Scro- the Strong, we read about him, after becoming a monk... He went with some elders to visit St. Macarius the Great, who said to them, I see among you one to whom belongs the crown of martyrdom. Shortly after, they returned to the monastery. Some barbarians entered the monastery and killed St. Moses and seven others. One of the brethren was hiding out of fear, but then he saw an angel with a crown in his hand standing by and waiting for him. So he came out of his hiding place, showed himself to the barbarians, and was also martyred in order to receive the reward that awaited him. So like this person who was otherwise afraid and hiding so that he wouldn't be killed, when he saw these angels bringing the crowns for those people who were martyred, it's like he was emboldened to where he felt like, I'm not afraid of death, right? This idea of not being afraid of death is very important. And it's kind of weaved into the very Christian faith. It's very hard to be a Christian and a believer when we are afraid of death. Because the Lord is telling us to remain faithful even in the face of persecution, to remain faithful even in the face of ridicule. Not only sometimes are we afraid of death, but we're afraid of being ostracized. We're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of m- being mocked. We're afraid of being rejected, like not even to the extent of death. Like we're, we're afraid of even the slightest social pressure or social, you know, attack on ourselves, Right. And that makes us to not remain steadfast in what we believe. That makes it so easy to compromise our faith because our actions are so much determined by other people's reaction to us. Those people who are strong in faith are those who do not fear death. They do not fear sickness. They do not fear hate. They do not fear attack. They don't fear violence. They don't fear anything. The only thing that they fear is God. And so if they only fear God... They live for God, and everything they do is God-centric, right? So you're not worried about the people that want to kill you. You're not worried about, you know, what might happen to you in this life because you believe that your just reward, that your crowns are going to come in the next life, so what happens to me here doesn't matter. You know, i almost reminded of um, the saint that we have, this icon for her in the very back is Saint Rebecca, okay? And she had five children, and she watched all of her five children being martyred in front of her eyes like if you can imagine for those who have children or even for those who don't that your children would be martyred right in front of you but her reaction was encouraging them to be martyred like her reaction was helping them to remain faithful in their time of martyrdom not begging for their life you know not not pleading with the torturers and telling them that she's willing to do absolutely anything to save her children's life. She was completely joyful at their martyrdom because her vision was of heaven. She believed in heaven. She believed heaven was a place of reward, a place of joy, a place of goodness, the kind of goodness that we will never have here. You know, more and more, we experience in this life grief, sadness, um, contempt, evil, What is there here that's so wonderful that we want to stay here? Like, What is there here that I'm clinging to so much that I want to be here? Is it our money? Is it our possessions? Is it our bodies? Is it our families? The Lord says that our families and other people that we love, we will see them in paradise. And the Lord says that in paradise, we will have no need of any physical possessions or money. And the Lord says that in in heaven, we will have no ailments, no sickness, and we will be given glorified bodies. So absolutely everything that we leave behind, we leave it behind because it is corrupted. And everything that is good, God will give us an abundance in heaven. So if we truly, truly, truly believed in heaven and truly believed in the goodness that's there, we would have no problem to die. We would have no problem leaving behind everything that we leave here to gain what is greater. right? Our problem is the attachment to the world. Our problem is the fear of death. Our problem is that we are afraid of that transition, that change. What is going to happen to me when I go there? But of all the stories that we've read all throughout this series, even I remember that one story about the, the woman who was dying, who didn't want to leave her daughter behind, and he was, she was pleading so that to, with God that she wouldn't die because she didn't want to leave her daughter. When she went to heaven, she said, What? I can leave my daughter. This place is so wonderful. And, and my daughter is going to come here with me someday. I, I don't have to be there with my daughter. Like this place is so wonderful that I want to remain here. So if, if even a mother's love for her child is not strong enough to keep a person from desiring to be in heaven more than anything else, then nothing here is worth the amount of stress and attachment and desire that we have to remain here. These crowns that God is offering are a far greater reward than anything we can imagine, right? So, so we should not be afraid to live according to our faith because God gives these crowns for each person who is willing even to die, but not necessarily to die. Martyrdom, there's all kinds of martyrdom. Martyrdom doesn't just mean that I, li- I lose my life. You know, I, there's social martyrdom, and we see it all around. Simply stating the truth can be martyrdom. Simply standing for the truth and not being willing to yield to someone else's lie and to assent and agree with a lie. Just that itself is a type of martyrdom. And God will reward us for being a source of truth in an otherwise world that is full of lies and deception. St. Peter and St. Paul, a story about them when they were martyred. So Emperor Nero, he's the, he had St. Peter killed by crucifying him. And also he seized St. Paul and ordered him to be beheaded. While St. Paul was traveling to the site where he was going to be beheaded, there was this young woman on the road. And so um, he asked her to give him like a veil so he could wrap his head and cover it as he was being beheaded. And eventually he was beheaded. The executioner cut off his head and he left it there with the veil wrapped around his head. The young woman, when she saw the executioner um, on his way back from the execution, she asked him about St. Paul. And he told her, He is lying where I left him, and his head is wrapped in your veil. And then she told him, You're lying, for he and Peter have just passed by me. They were arrayed in the apparel of kings and had crowns decorated with jewels on their heads, and they gave me my veil, and here it is. Right. So, So after they both died... This woman saw them walking, dressed as kings, with crowns and and like victorious. You know, like again we, we see death as as like the ultimate defeat, you know, the ultimate defeat. But here God is showing that it is not a defeat, that actually it could be a victory for those people who will be rewarded by the Lord. Another example of receiving crowns for martyrdom is a group of saints called the Forty Saints of Sebaste. So this group of 40 people, they confessed their faith to the governor um, in that region, and he ordered um, that they be thrown into a nearby icy lake. 39 of them, of these 40, died as martyrs, but there was one person who couldn't withstand the cold of the lake, and so he he ran away. He was able to escape, but he lost his crown of martyrdom. And then one of the guards saw an angel descending from heaven, and in their hands crowns, which were placed over the heads of each of the 39 martyrs. And so when he noticed that there was one extra crown, there was a 40th crown that remained in the hand of the angel, and so the guard who who kind of saw all this happening, he converted to Christianity in that point, and he ran toward the lake, and he yelled, I'm Christian, I'm Christian, and eventually he died and received the crown that was in the hand of the angel and was counted as one of the martyrs. These stories, even though they might seem to us like foreign and, and and strange, like you wouldn't necessarily experience something like this today. This isn't like a, a common occurrence or something that you would see, right? But it says something about the faith of these people, right? The faith that comes with seeing, you know? F- our faith should be like seeing. It's like we see it as though it's real in front of us, even though our our physical eyes, Right? 2 Corinthians 5:17 it says for we walk by faith not by sight. So to walk by faith meaning that our faith is what directs our actions not just our physical sight. If we only operate by our physical sight then it makes sense to run away. Yeah, like it, it makes sense. Like who who would who would run into this lake? Like like it doesn't make any sense to do so. But the one who saw with the faith this angel holding a crown like offering a reward for those who would be willing even to to give up their life for the sake of heaven and that person chose it that person chose like an eternity of reward as opposed to a few moments of protection and safety another story about a group of people called the 49 elders of Shahid. One day there was an attack on a monastery in the wilderness of Shahid, or Scythus. We mentioned this place when we spoke about the Desert Fathers before. Um, One of the most respected monk elders there gave everyone the option to be killed by the Berbers, which are like the barbarians that are coming to attack, or to hide. Including him, 49 monks living there were killed. A layman and his son were also hiding, and the son told his father, I see spiritual beings putting crowns on the heads of the elders. I shall go to receive a crown like them. Both, them, both of them came out of hiding and were killed and received the crowns as well. So there's the crown of martyrdom. Okay? There's also the crowns that signify virtues. So for those people who lived very purely, very holy lives, very righteous lives, God granted crowns of reward for their purity and for their righteousness. St. Cyprian, he says, let there be the divine reading in the hands, the Lord's thoughts in the mind. Let constant prayer never cease at all. Let saving labor persevere. Let us be occupied at all times in spiritual works that as often as the enemy approaches, as often as he tries to come near, he may find our heart closed and armed against him. Actually, for the Christian, there is not only one crown, which is obtained in time of persecution. The time of peace too has its crown. So he's saying like in times of persecution, this is when we're talking about like people are being martyred. So we talked about you receive a crown for martyrdom. But here St. Cyprian is saying also in the time of peace, you can earn crowns, what, with continence okay, or sorry, w- with which we are crowned as victors. To have conquered lust is the, is the palm of continence. To have struggled victoriously against anger and insult is the crown of patience. To spurn money is to triumph over avarice. To bear the adversities of the world by hope in the things to come is the praise of faith. In this arena of the virtues we run daily. And maybe this is something that is more applicable to us. I mean, we are not in time where we are most likely going to be killed because of our faith. Maybe that will come, um, but at least as of today, um, that's not happening for the most part here in America. Um, so so here we can receive crowns because of the way we choose to live, right? Even he says what conquering lust, conquering anger, um, conquering greed, all of these are things that because the world is full of them and they are a constant attack on us, that we can earn rewards in heaven when we fight them, right, when we fight, when we don't allow ourselves to kind of go with the flow of that, right? This is why, like, in in times of fasting, and we talk about, like, fasting from different things, even things that are not wrong, we try to fast from, like, even things that in and of themselves are not evil, we try to control ourselves. Why? Because we want to be able to uh, master ourselves, so that I am not I'm um, driven by my lusts. I am not driven by my emotions. I'm not driven by my desires of the flesh, but I am in c- control of my desire, right? For instance, when the Lord is speaking about wealth, right? He says, there is nothing wrong with being wealthy, but do not be driven by wealth. When he spoke to the rich young ruler and he told him, sell all that you have, because he came to him and he said, how am I inherit eternal life? So he told him, well, there's one thing you lack. Go sell all that you have, Take up your cross, deny yourself, and come and follow me. Why did he ask him to do that? Because he knew that he was mastered by wealth. It is not because he had wealth. It is because the wealth was his master, that he could not live without it, that it was something that if he could choose between wealth and eternity with God, he chose wealth, right? So, so that's a question for us. Like, what are the things that we are so attached to, that if God gave us the option, you can have the crowns of heaven, Or you can have the material world and everything that comes with that world. Which do you choose, right? It's maybe easy for us to hypothetically answer that question like in a theoretical way, right? But but what really have we chosen? You know, it's not like God gives us the choice every day to choose one or the other. What is it that we have chosen, right? What is it that our choices reflect? What is it that I am actually going after in the world? And this is important. Because here the Lord says, for those who choose after, who choose to go after God, even in the midst of a world that offers every, you know, a fulfillment of every desire, those who reject those and instead go after God, for those that do that, there is crowns, there is there is reward. Um, saint uh, Euphrasia uh, is a saint from Rome, and she was related to the emperor. Um, and lived her life as a nun in extreme asceticism. One night, the abbess of her convent saw in a vision multiple crowns which had been prepared, and she asked, who are these for? She was told, these crowns are for your daughter Euphrasia. She will be coming to us after a short while. Right. So, so again, there are crowns that are laid up for this holy saint who is about to depart the world. Another saint, Abba uh, Bedeba, Abba so there's a story um, from the late 3rd century about these three saints, Abba B'deba, as well as two others who were all martyred together. And as they waited their turn to die for Christ's sake, Abba B'deba could see other Christians being tortured, and he saw angels coming down from heaven, and in their hands were the crowns of life for the heads of those who were being martyred. And he saw them being raised to paradise with great honor and glory. Later, just before his own martyrdom, Archangel Michael appeared to Amba Bedeba and said the following to him. He said, "Hail to you, O honored one! Let your soul rejoice today, for God has accepted all your toil, asceticism, and struggle for the sake of the faith. You shall receive three crowns: the first for your worship and asceticism since your young age. So the, God, the Lord was rewarding him because he spent his life worshiping and 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 asceticism, denying himself." The second crown for shepherding the flock on the right path. So his service as a bishop and, and, and loving and serving the flock of people, this he received a second crown. And the third for your martyrdom. You shall be crowned with these three crowns with glory and honor to receive the heavenly glories. See, these are all the things that the Lord is rewarding. Um, I'm going to skip a little bit ahead cause, um, so we don't run out of time. Another thing that's mentioned uh in in the book um is the idea of thrones okay is that the idea that people are given thrones to sit on in paradise so in the previously mentioned story we learn of a holy man that he saw that uh he saw in paradise many thrones on which sat the saints but one chair remained empty he asked saint mary who brought him there whose chair is this she told him, yours, if you follow the will of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's like for some people, there have been prepared like a place of honor, right, in paradise. A place of honor that if, that if we choose to live a certain way, it's like God has prepared this place for us. You know, a place for us to kind of be honored in paradise. St. Maura relates a similar experience she had while being crucified with her husband, St. Timothy. I beheld a man, very comely of appearance, his face shone like the sun. He took me by the hand, led me up to heaven, and showed me a throne covered with white garments and a crown, most beautiful in appearance. Amazed at such beauty, I asked the man that led me up to heaven, Whose is this, my Lord? He told me, This is the reward of your struggle. But now return to your body. In the morning at the sixth hour, the angels of God will come and take your soul up to heaven. Also in the book of Revelation, the Lord says what? To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Like the Lord is saying we will sit with him on a throne, right? This is one thing that is expressed to us as a reward. And, and you know, even though um, even though the church interprets this as being kind of allegorical, like the idea that we will have participation and share in the kingdom of God. But yet also in the scripture, Christ told his disciples what? In the regeneration, they will sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And also we read about that there's these 24 elders in heaven who sat before God on their thrones. So we see angels and different people who are sitting on the thrones. I think this is the last... uh Um, the last part enduring suffering i mentioned earlier about how just enduring suffering like faithfully is um like god rewards us for it a person can receive glory in heaven by enduring suffering on earth even if that suffering seems to have nothing to do with christ so you know we talked about like persecution dying for the name of christ but here he's talking about just like sickness just any kind of suffering that we endure faithfully on earth is a cause for reward. Um, Although St. Paul was afflicted with a thorn in the flesh, he said, Most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. When one denies one's flesh, such a sacrifice is considered to align with what Christ taught about what was necessary to become his disciple when he told the rich young ruler, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Any denial of the world, a denial of our flesh, a denial of our comforts, this is a step toward heaven. Because what we are saying is, I care more about the heavenly than I do about the earthly. Even if that's just in the form of accepting sickness. Actually, Mother irini I think we might be mentioning, yeah. Um, Mother Irini, being aware of the great glory that martyrs receive, wanted to become a martyr herself. However, Abu Sifayn appeared to her and told her, God has allowed you physical pains because this is a cross and you will gain glory for it. Bearing these pains with gratitude is considered martyrdom. Did you not always ask God to be a martyr for his sake? These pains are equal to martyrdom. I am praying for you and my God is with you. So she wanted to be a martyr. God did not allow her to be a martyr in the traditional sense, but he allowed her to be a martyr through disease, through sickness. She actually asked God to be sick. Because she felt that in her illness, she would feel the need of God more. She would be closer to God while she was sick. Again, kind of going back to what we said before, like if all we are seeking is comfort here, then this is all we will receive. But if we are seeking comfort in the next life, and we are willing to give up our comfort here for it, this is what gains these crowns and these rewards from God. So it's, it's something for us to be thinking. Another time, Abu appeared and also told her, God will give you blessings and consolations. Patience and gratitude have a crown like that of the martyrs. St. Mary herself visited her and addressed Mother Irini's prayer for martyrdom, telling her, indeed, whatever you put up with, be it pains, diseases, problems, anguish, or stress, is martyrdom. Even till her last breath, as she lay on her deathbed, enduring excruciating pain, she kept repeating various prayers, including, You know that the pain surpassed my capacity. I am being martyred. Help me and support me. So, enduring suffering with faith and patience. Enduring suffering with faith and patience is honored um, by God. So, this is the conclusion of this whole section that we spoke about paradise. Next time, which will be the last um, topic in this series. Um, is the idea of what do we do with this knowledge? Like, what, what do we do that we have seen the afterlife, so to speak? We have seen glimpses of it. We have seen glimpses of paradise. We've seen glimpses of what death is like. We've seen glimpses of what Hades is like. We have seen the reward that God has prepared for us. How, what do we do now? What, how do we live now for, um, now that we have all of this knowledge? Any comments or questions? Yes. That's a short answer. Um, Our faith should be strong enough so that we do not deny Christ. If God puts us in a situation where martyrdom is offered, where we have the option of martyrdom, that means that he believes that we are strong enough to bear it. Now, maybe not all of us can You know, maybe maybe God does not allow me to be tested. He says, "What? he does not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear. Maybe I cannot accept it. Maybe my faith is weak, and God does not even allow me to be such a place. But, you know, many years ago when we, we talked about the 21 martyrs of Libya, these were regular people. These were regular workers, regular people, you know, maybe uneducated people, people were just regular random people. And when they were put in a situation where... You know, they they, they were going to be killed for their faith. They didn't didn't reject Christ, and they were martyred. So just as we see in a situation like that, God gave them the strength to endure, we don't know if God puts us in such a situation, you know, how we would be. Maybe he would give us the strength and the vision in that moment to, to see our life in the right way, that what we are about to embark on, in this martyrdom, is actually far greater than everything that we leave behind in this life. But yes, we are all called to be martyrs. Whether that means martyrdom in terms of struggling against sin, whether that means martyrdom in terms of enduring sickness and problems and anguish and stress and whatever the, the world will bring and to do it faithfully, or whether it means, you know, actually dying um, for the sake of Christ. no it's not wrong um actually it's so in the book of maccabees in in first maccabees we did a bible study about this and there was a group of people who so so the greeks were coming to persecute and kill um the jews and their goal was to transform the jewish culture to be like to be greek culture which was an abomination for instance the jews they could only eat certain kinds of food they had to observe certain fasts and feasts and so on So um, we know that on the Sabbath, okay, the Jews were not allowed to do any work, right? So the Greeks said, you know what, we are going to wait until the Sabbath day where the Jews cannot do any work and we're going to attack them because they can't fight back. So there was a group of the Jews that saw it this way. They said, you know what, We, we, we can't fight back at all because it's the Sabbath day and they were completely slaughtered. So you could say that is like a group that we consider like the martyrs. They said, you know what, our faith is such that we are going to obey God more than anything at all, and we are not going to respond at all, even if it means that we die. But there was another group, which is actually the main group that the whole book focuses on, the Maccabees, which they said, you know what, we can't just sit around and let the Greeks destroy us, because what is the purpose of the Sabbath? The purpose of the Sabbath is to worship God. But we're not worshiping God when we're being slaughtered right? And so they decided to fight back, even if it was on the Sabbath day. This is to say what? It is not wrong to defend ourselves. Like, if someone comes to attack me, it's not wrong for me to stop it, even if they're attacking me for my faith. It's not wrong for me to stop it. But sometimes we are put in positions where there is no choice, right? And in some of the stories we spoke about, sometimes we are put in positions where actually martyrdom looks attractive. Like, If we truly see heaven, like if we truly like had this experience of heaven the way that like this woman did in the story we talked about with her daughter, we would choose martyrdom. Like it would be beneficial, it would be preferable. We would want it. The reason we fight back and try to defend ourselves to a large extent is because we want to protect this life that we have. We want to protect this life because I don't know about any other life If I were truly offered a life far better than this one, why would I be so attached to this one? So it's not wrong to defend. It's not wrong to protect ourselves. But at the same time, those who have truly seen like a vision of what true life is chose not to defend themselves. They chose to go because for them, they felt it was better. Yeah. Any other comments? Okay, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We thank you, O God, for this day and for every opportunity that you give us to learn more about our lives and how much you care for us and protect us, O Lord, from all the evils that are around us. The biggest evil, O God, that exists in the world is death. A death that brought us, O Lord, down to the depths of Hades in complete separation from you. But you have conquered this death and that you have made us to be victorious over this death. And you have turned this death, instead of being something to be frightened of and to be scared about and to try to avoid, you have turned it into something that is good. You have turned it into power for us. You have turned it into joy for us. You have turned it into resurrection. You have turned it, O Lord, into something that we look forward to and not something that we try to run from. We thank you, O Lord, because you have taken this greatest evil and turned it into the greatest good. We ask, O God, that you open our eyes so that we could see paradise as it truly is and so that our lives would be changed. And that we would live our life as though we were in heaven and that we would seek to commune with you and to be with you and to talk to you and to spend our lives with you speaking to you as though we are in heaven for you said O lord the kingdom of heaven is within you i thank you O god for our church and for those who are here and those who are not here we ask O god that you strengthen the church and make it a place that is a fortress so that no one oh lord who is here will fall away and that we will all be protected from the evil one through the prayers of Saint Mary, Archangel Michael, Saint Paul, Saint Mark, and all your saints, here it says we pray thankfully, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come,